This is Out of Office for August 2015. We're talking about out of office workspaces. Welcome to the Out of Office podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you? Well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? Yeah, really well, really well. Seems like a while since we last spoke, but I guess it's only been the, the usual month or so. That's right, it has. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And where are you working today? Usual place, Gihan. I'm working from my home office. How about you? Yes, well, at the moment I'm in my home office, and then soon afterwards I'll go and work at uh, the University Club, one of my regular workplaces when I'm away from, away from my home office. Excellent. And that's exactly what we're talking about today because we're talking about different out-of-office workspaces because the, the traditional idea of an out-of-office worker is uh, a telecommuter who works from home. And it's exactly what you do, Chris, so full-time working from home. But there are a whole bunch of other out-of-office workspaces now. And I think as the idea of uh, people working away from the office has grown, uh, more and more people are finding different places and ways to work. So we're going to look at uh, a number of options. In fact, we're going to look at four options today of four different kind of workspaces if you're not working from an office. And we'll look at them in in four different areas. We'll look at productivity in that workspace. We'll look at collaboration, particularly collaboration with your other team members, innovation, so creativity and putting ideas into action, and then work-life integration as well. Very good. So let's start, Chris, with the one that you do all the time, which is the home office. So, and this is the traditional idea of the out-of-office worker, who's often called a telecommuter, and it's something that you do all the time, Chris. So I'm going to uh, pull out some of your expertise in this area, and let's start with productivity, which I guess is great if you do it right, but can also be a problem if you don't. Sure, Gihan. And look, you get a lot of productivity gains automatically by the fact that you're working out of office. You're not surrounded by your colleagues who might be interrupting and distracting you or pulling you into endless meetings. But you still need some discipline for yourself and for those around you to ensure that they don't become a source of interruption and distraction themselves. You also need to make sure that uh, your workspace is comfortable. So rather than just plunking yourself down at the kitchen bench with your laptop and smartphone each morning, have a dedicated workspace with an ergonomic chair and a nice desk so that you're always comfortable and discomfort isn't going to be a source of distraction and eat into your productivity as well. So they're mainly the upsides. Some people do suffer from working from home with the social isolation that comes from working remotely. So if you're feeling isolated and alone, then that again can be a source of distraction and that eats into your productivity. So do something that mixes it up a bit. And finally, the fact that you're working from home means that your tools of, tools of trade are at your fingertips. And so there's this tendency to overwork and always be on and that can eventually wear you out and, and burn you out. And that also has a, a negative impact on your productivity. So that's quite good if you're working personally, Chris, and I guess productivity is one of those things that you can that you've got a lot of control over. What about what about collaboration, working with your team members when they're actually not there? Yet they're, they're not there with you. So yeah, look, you need to collaborate online, and there are tools for doing that. The important thing. Uh, when you're choosing which online tools is to choose the right channel. So we talk about immediate and deferred communications channels. Immediate is where all of the parties are present simultaneously, so like in a, a video conference or a tele teleconference. And deferred is where people are collaborating, but they don't all happen to be present at the same time. So editing wiki pages or collaborative editing of documents or email are all examples of deferred tools. So just choosing the appropriate channel for your communications and collaboration goes a long way uh, to getting the right tools. 
some of those in-office interactions that um, you can't do because you're not working face-to-face, you can simulate using online tools. So if you need a quick chat, you can use something like an instant messaging tool or you can text someone. Or if you want to have a, a convene a quick meeting, you can use something like a Google Hangout or Skype to have a video conference or teleconference. But look, there is this perception, Gihan, that um, communicating and collaborating online isn't as effective as face-to-face communication and collaboration. And that's because when you're meet- meeting face-to-face, you get all of these subtle communication cues like people's gestures and their facial expressions and the tone of voice that they're using. They're not necessarily present when you're collaborating online. Um, but there haven't been any deep studies into whether it, that's the idea, but people haven't looked at this with um, with deep studies to actually demonstrate whether that really is the case. So the jury's still out on whether online collaboration is is a long way behind face-to-face collaboration. Yeah, and I think another area where the jury's out on that is the whole idea of innovation, that there's a feeling that you need to be in the office to have people around you all the time to innovate uh, in the workplace. But again, is that really true? Yeah, so they're they're linked, so people think, well, collaboration is harder, therefore innovation is going to be harder because it requires collaboration. But there are plenty of counterexamples to that, and and the big one is open source software. So these are software projects that have been developed by people who never meet face-to-face. They're distributed across the globe, and they've created a huge repository or wealth of software tools, things like the uh, Mozilla Firefox browser is a great example of that. Excellent piece of software developed by people who've innovated without ever meeting face-to-face. And I think the perception also comes from the fact that the gold standard is uh, companies like Google and Apple who've engineered these campuses where they've optimised the length of the queues in their cafes and the arrangements of tables and desks so people bump into each other incidentally and talk about what they're working on and hopefully come up with uh, problems, solutions to, to the problems that they're working on. But look, just because Google and Apple do it that way doesn't mean that uh, that's the only way it can be done. And if people are working from a home office and you've got a distributed team, you can engineer ways of collaborating online um, that don't involve face-to-face meeting. It's still possible to innovate uh, in different methods, uh, using different online tools. You don't have to meet face-to-face to do that. Okay, good, good. And the last area is this whole idea of work-life integration. So I'm sure, Chris, that you get some benefits from working from a home office, not only to do with work, but also to do with your personal life as well. Exactly. The fact that you're at home, you're surrounded by your loved ones, it's one of the um, one of the drivers of the choice of a, an out-of-office work style. Um, and it's also uh, a great choice for people who are working part-time. So people returning from maternity or paternity leave want to work part-time. Working from home is a great option for them. Similarly, retirees who don't want to work full-time anymore, working part-time is a great work style for, for people like that. Fantastic. So, as we said, that's the first one. That's the whole idea of the home office or the full-time telecommuter, and that's kind of the traditional out-of-office worker. So, yeah, look, let's talk about working out and about, Gihan. So, places like uh, working in a cafe or, um, in your case, you said you're going to the university club later today. I know that's one of your... um, Uh, favourite venues for doing work or it might be somewhere like a park or garden or even down at the beach. So digital nomads, people who do a lot of work outside of a traditional home office are are great purveyors of this particular work style. So when it comes to productivity, Gihan, is it going to be like working from a home office? 
Yep. So some of the productivity things are similar, Chris, as as for a home office or telecommuter. You just got to be a little bit careful because there's a potential for some things to go wrong when you're working out and about. You don't have the reliability of your home office. For example, you might be relying on Wi-Fi at the venue and that's not accessible for some reason. Uh, you've only got limited battery power in your laptop and your phone. So th- you may not be able to spend a, a long amount of time or dedicated a stretch of time, um, and also you have to you have to get there and back. So one of the reasons that you might want to work from home is that you eliminate your commute time, but now you have to add that back in. And uh, I ride a bike, so that helps that I don't have to ride through traffic. But if you are driving, then you might have to choose what time you're going to get to your to your um, out and about. Uh, venue, and of course there are interruptions from other people. And the more you work in a particular area, then a particular venue, then there are more people who get to know you there. You become a regular, and sometimes they interrupt you, and that might not be what you want. So mm-hmm. it does make a difference. Okay. Well, speaking of other people, how about collaboration? You're not surrounded by your colleagues. You are surrounded by complete strangers and uh, other patrons. Yeah, and that does make it a little bit harder. Collaborating with your team is more difficult because really you're in a public environment. So there's certain things that you would be able to do in a home office or in an office that you can't do in a public environment. It's it's You can't really make private phone calls and some people think it's very rude when they hear you yelling, yelling at colleagues on the phone when they're trying to have a friendly conversation in a cafe. So uh, you've got to keep those sort of things in mind because uh, it's not... Is you don't have the same environment. And, and also, quite often, you're not in an office environment. So you're not among other people who are similarly working and who would otherwise similarly tolerate people working. So you just got to be careful about things like that. Um, and also the sort of the sort of internet access you get because it's not the same as what you might have at home. It might be that you're using, say, cafe Wi-Fi, which is, um, which is slow. So you can't do things like video calls or share big files. Or you might be using your own mobile phone Wi-Fi, which might be fast enough, but it can be expensive. So you just got to be careful about those sort of things. And, um, and look, all of this means that you just got to be more sensitive to when you're going to be available and when you're not. And everybody else on your team also has the same problem. So um, you can't just say, let's have a quick video conference because you might be out and about and um, you, that, that just may not be feasible. Whereas if you're in your home office, then maybe you can quickly have things like a, a video conference or share a big file. Um, so all the collaboration you do has to be more planned and scheduled than otherwise would be the case. Okay. So what about innovation then? Similar sorts of problems? Um, yes, but I think that innovation, I, th- I think, is similar to the home office. So there's that, still that perception that innovation can't happen within uh, when, you're, w- when you're in a distributed team. Um, and whether that's true or not applies equally for a home office and out and about. Um, I saw one study, which is quite interesting, that said that if you're trying to be creative and innovative, then that low-level buzz that you get in a cafe where you're there with people, but they're not interrupting you, but you you get that feeling of people around you, that is actually the best environment for your creative thinking. So it might actually be better than sitting in in a home office by yourself or in an office surrounded by other people who are constantly interrupting you. So I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, isn't there an app, Coffee Time or something, that will uh, simulate that environment? For yes, you? yes. In fact, Coffee Tivity. Uh, in coffee fact, I've, I've got that app, and sometimes when I'm in my in my home office, I'll just turn that app on, and it has that. It just simulates the sound of a of a cafe, which is quite interesting, and it just gives you that feeling that there are other people around you. 
Cool, cool. All right. So, work-life integration. So, uh, this is something I've tried to work into my uh, my working style as well. Gear on Fridays, I go down to a local cafe, do a couple of hours work. So, I imagine this uh, a lot of upside for working out and about. Exactly, and I love that. I love that lifestyle where today it's a sunny day in Perth. It's a you know cool, crisp spring day or almost spring day, and I love the fact that I can get on my bike do some exercise, do some work at a cafe, have lunch there, see some of the people that I see regularly, even if I don't interact with them. And that's a really nice part of my lifestyle, especially because I've traveled quite a bit for for speaking at conferences and other parts of my life quite often involve travel. Um, But I really like that lifestyle. So there there are real benefits, uh, personal benefits to being out and about, especially if you have a regular place that you that you work from. Um, so for for many people, it's a it really is a lifestyle choice, and I think it's really a useful choice for people who want to work away from an office, but they have some sort of distracting environment at home. So you might have young kids or babies, or it could be if you just feel isolated working from home. So you can get out and about, and uh, it may be something that you have a, have a home office and a regular um, cafe that you go to or a club as I do. And I think that's, that's something that can be very positive. Um, the thing to be careful of if you do a lot of this is that it's easy to slip into bad habits because you might feel obliged to buy food and drink and you may be eating out too much, which isn't very good for your health. Um, it may be that you don't take you don't take breaks uh, because you're worried about leaving your laptop unattended. So you might be you might just get into this habit of just working, working, working while you're there instead of taking breaks, which is bad for your your bad for your eyes, bad for your phys- uh, physical fitness, um, bad for your energy levels. And so you just need to be careful of things like that. But overall, it's a pretty good environment. Excellent. So how about we move on to co-working spaces? Yeah, so the co-working spaces have become more popular now. And what they do is they really they kind of give you the best of the um, in-office environment where you have a number of services available to you, but also um, you eliminate some of the negatives that you have in an office. And it's a fairly new area, and I guess neither of us has a lot of experience working in those uh, in those co-working spaces, but we know a little bit about them. So let's let's start off looking at productivity. So when it comes to productivity, Gihan, it's a bit like working from a home office. It's good to have some discipline and to set some rules. So in general, you don't get to set the rules. It's set by the the people who run the co-working space or the people who are at the co-working space. So I understand at Space Cube, which is a local co-working space in Perth, there's this this unwritten rule that has developed that is if you've got your earphones on and they're on both ears or in both ears, then that means do not disturb. If you've got just one in one ear, then... You can be interrupted for urgent matters, and if you're not wearing headphones or, or earplugs, then it's okay for you to be interrupted. So, again, having some, some good rules, uh, whether they're set by the co-working space or they've evolved among the co-workers, then, um, then that really helps with productivity. And I guess that might affect collaboration as well, Chris, because you're working with other people. There are other people around you, but they're not your team members, so I guess you've got to figure out how to find the right balance there. Yeah, so it's a little bit like what you talked about when you're working out and about. You're surrounded by people who aren't your colleagues, but it's different in so much as all of the people there are. They're there to work. So it's not like um, if you're having a conversation with colleagues, 
uh, it's not interrupting other people who are perhaps trying to have a coffee and socialize. There are other people who are also working. And again, leaving your stuff unattended isn't as risky as it might be in a mm. cafe or in a park. Mm. So, so these things, are, it's not as, as bad as working out and about, but there are still some constraints. Also, if you want to have a private conversation, most co-working spaces are going to have meeting rooms that you can go and book or grab and, and have a quiet space where you can have to discuss confidential matters and stuff that um, shouldn't be leaked out to people who aren't your, your colleagues. Uh, uh, but an upside to co-working spaces is for people who aren't necessarily employees but rather business owners, it's a great place for networking in that you're surrounded by other people who might be working in similar fields and it's a fertile space for finding collaborators outside of your business. Yeah, and I find that I've, uh, I haven't experienced this myself, but I've talked to a number of people who say that the, one of the reasons they go to a co-working space is that there are other people who are like-minded and they create these joint ventures, they come up with great ideas, they, they just have these conversations that they wouldn't otherwise have. Mm. And uh, so it's a great environment for that. And uh, that actually leads on to the whole idea of innovation. So how can you make that work in a co-working space? Yeah, so it, it's exactly what you just said, Gihan. So there's research that suggests that outsiders from your business area have better ideas for you than your than insiders because they bring a fresh perspective to the problems that you're trying to solve. So that can be a real boon for innovation, the fact that you're um, cross-fertilizing ideas with, with people who are outside your business. In addition to that, co-working spaces tend to have a range of meeting areas, whether it's shared tables or private booths or beanbag corners or meeting rooms. So depending upon your mood, you can choose a, a, a workspace within the co-working space that fits your mood and hang out with other people who are of a similar mood. And that, again, is really conducive to um, coming up with new ideas and innovation. And look, many traditional workplaces and offices do have these things as well, but in an office, people just tend to stay at their desk. They don't make as great use of these these venues as uh, as you would in a co-working space. But one thing you do need to be mindful of, of course, is that the people that are around you are probably not your colleagues, and so you do have to be really careful about sharing ideas that are confidential. Um, so just always have that sort of thing present in your mind when uh, when dealing with people who aren't part of your business. Yeah, great, great. If you look at work-life integration, it it seems like there's a lot of positives to the the whole co-working space. That's right. So if you are an extroverted individual, Gihan, and I know you are, these things are <laughs> these things are, are great because you're mixing with people, and, and and if you're a people person, then then there's lots of new people to meet and interact with, and that's really good, especially if you struggle with the isolation that comes with working from a home office and even being out and about. You know, you you you. you you can't really just walk up to someone who's having a coffee and introduce yourself. Or maybe you can, Gihan. I certainly can't. Um, <laughs> but also, if it's it's great in so much as you can dial up or down the amount of interaction that you want. You can you can be private and personal in a co-working space, or you can go and mix it up and meet and interact with other people's in a co people in a co-working space on any given day. Yeah, I think this whole idea of co-working space is really quite interesting, Chris. It's fairly recent. Uh, it's certainly a growing area, and I see a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs using them. But I can see in the future it's also going to be something that uh, employees are going to start using as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, as, as the momentum gains, go, grows behind co-working spaces, they're going to get more use and people are going to want them. Yeah. So, something, Gihan, that uh, you, I've done a bit of and you've done a lot of as a digital nomad is working on the road. So, we're talking about planes, trains and automobiles, so actually working when you're in transit and in motion. 
as well as when you're at a destination like a hotel or a resort or even just living for a period in another city. So how does working on the road impinge on things like your productivity? Well, look, I think this is a bit of a double-edged sword because uh, because you're working on the road and you can work when you're uh, otherwise making use of wasted time, like waiting for planes or waiting for buses or waiting for appointments that are delayed. So definitely that's a, that's a big pro of it. It's a great way that you can um, make use of these little bits of time that would otherwise be wasted. And um, the other thing that's really good about working like on the road in this way is that if you've got, un- uh, if you've got large chunks of uninterrupted time, like when you're on a flight, you can use it for getting some work done, knowing that you're not going to be interrupted. Um, and I think that's a, that can be really valuable. So that I knew a client of mine once who who actually took a flight simply to spend time alone on the plane so that she could get some work done. Uh, wow. Now, you wouldn't necessarily go to that extreme, but uh, but it, it is one of the benefits of having that time when you're away from your normal office environment. Um, and also, if you are traveling quite a bit, then being able to work while you're traveling actually takes a, reduce a little bit the frustration around the, the friction of travel, like flight delays and so on. Um, the downside is it's easy to never rest because it's easy to be always on now that we've got internet access everywhere, now that you've got good battery life in your um, laptop so you can work on a, on a long flight without losing battery power and so on. So it, it can be a real downside. And, and another thing is, of course, you, there can be unexpected glitches. So even though you think you might have really good Wi-Fi, it may not turn out to be the case. Um, you have last-minute appointments that fill up your day that you're planning to spend working on something. And, and in general, I think that you're not as productive as you might think you are. Um, when you're traveling because you're in an unfamiliar environment, you might be changing time zones, you might be sleeping in an unfamiliar bed, so you don't get the same sort of rest. So productivity, yeah, pros and cons, and you just need to be aware of it. Okay, and so I imagine that uh, these things could be mostly negative for collaboration then. Yeah, look, I think for collaboration, it's like, being on the road is definitely not the best environment for collaborating, except for the people that you're meeting, for example, when you're traveling on, uh, for work, um, because you know, you're not always online. So you, you, sometimes you can't even predict when you're going to be online. So you tend to like make decisions in a rush. So you might you know, land somewhere, check your email quickly before you catch another flight, and then you might be responding to emails so you don't have any left waiting when you arrive at the other end. And that might mean that you make poor decisions. Um, and again, some of the technology problems that you might have when you're working uh, out and about can be the same here. So you don't, you don't have great Wi-Fi, you don't have privacy, uh, so you can't do things like video conferencing and this, that other collaboration that you would normally do in your regular work environment. Okay. And how about innovation then? Innovation is interesting because I think that uh, especially if you're traveling to other places, then it's great. It's a, it really like, you know, they say travel broadens the mind. And that's true, but not if your head's always down looking at your laptop or your phone and uh, stuck in your hotel room. So I think it, uh, if, you, if you are traveling and you're traveling especially to new places, then find the right balance between your work time and your play time. And especially if you're in a new place in an unfamiliar environment, just, just look around you, find time time to to play or rest or just put your mind uh, away from work because that might be the time that you notice something that might be really useful for you uh, it might be that you're in a new country so you notice something interesting in that country and you may be able to take those ideas back and use them in your workplace it might be that you're 
in a you know in a hotel somewhere and you notice the way that service happens or some um some facility that's available in your room and you think wow that's great uh, in terms of me for a customer experience and this can be really useful in my work or my business as well so yeah look innovation can be one of those things that can be sparked by by being on the road and traveling and being in unfamiliar environments as long as you make the time for it okay and if you're working whilst traveling then you're sort of integrating your work and your life so how does that work? Yeah, look, yes and no, Chris. I think that you're integrating your work with your travel time. And it depends whether you make that part of your personal life or not. And again, I think it's getting the balance right. And uh, again, there are pros and cons. So, for example, if you go go on holiday with your family and you spend an hour a day checking email, like let's say in the morning before everyone else wakes up, that can be a really good thing can be really good because then it clears your mind you can spend the rest of the day happy and relaxed and and maybe it means that you even take a longer break as a result of that because you know that works works taken care of but if you're constantly checking your email then that can spoil your holiday and everybody else's holiday as well and so again it's, it's finding the right balance there um and also similarly like the some of the technology that you use for collaborating and keeping in touch uh, at work like skype video conferencing can also be really useful if you want to stay in touch with your family and um, quite often i've sat in the Qantas club lounge and there are obviously people around me working but equally there are people making phone calls home um talking to their kids before they go to sleep on a, obviously what seems to be a facetime or skype video on their phone and so they're kind of integrating their their travel time with with their personal life and presumably they're just doing that to keep in touch and do the sort of things that they would otherwise do at home. Excellent. So there you have it. We've covered four different out-of-office workspaces and they're going to suit different people depending upon their, their work styles and the kind of work that they do. But broadly speaking, the the home office, which I guess is the traditional out-of-office workspace in that it's often the first or even only workspace that's considered when we're talking about out of office. It's got a lot of positives, especially for productivity and and your work-life integration. And I also covered co-working spaces. So these are becoming more and more popular. And I think it's, I think you mentioned this already, Gihan, it's something that organizations might consider offering to subsidize for their, their staff in the future. So things like paying membership fees for their out of office workers to make use of their local, their local space cubed or whatever ha- chain happens to be in their city. Yeah, I really like that idea, Chris. I think it's a, it's a nice blend between uh, working from home where you get that completely isolated private time, which can be put good and bad, and also just working out and about in like making use of venues which aren't really working venues, like cafes and clubs. You, you know, get the best of both worlds that way. Mm. Um, and that, that whole idea of cafes and clubs are still uh, still quite popular, particularly with, with freelancers, business owners, solopreneurs. But maybe also, if you can't find a co-working space, it, it should be something that managers and leaders should be considering for their employees. And um, if you do that, you may just need to be a bit more proactive and put things in place to make sure that um, your, uh, your out-of-office workers can do it uh, as effectively. So you sort out your VPNs, sort out your security, think about ways that you can collaborate, think about scheduling um, meetings and video conferences for times that that your out-of-office workers are available. Um, and the last one of, that we looked at is that whole idea of being on the road. And I don't really think of that as being a regular workspace, and I hope it isn't for most people, Like, although I know some people do travel a lot. Uh, so it's something that you do by necessity rather than by choice. But 
as as we become more global and distributed and dispersed, it's in some ways it's becoming more common. So it is worth considering proactively rather than just uh, hoping that you can work effectively in that environment um, by default. So I, I think it is something to consider, even though it's only temporary. Okay, good. So we will have a blog post at outofofficebook.com related to this particular podcast if you want to leave a message for us or ask a question. And you can also find previous episodes of our podcast on that blog, as well as buying the Out of Office ebook. Yeah, great. Thanks, Chris. It's been a really interesting conversation. And we'll be back in a month's time with another topic for the Out of Office podcast. Until then, thanks, Gihan. And thanks. bye for now. Thanks, Chris. Time for me to go to my other workplace. <laughs> Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book out of office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.